0: You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 19. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. Hello, my best lifers, and welcome back. I am so excited for Breast Cancer Month. This month is going to have lots of good information geared towards my breast cancer followers, but applicable to most types of cancer. After many requests from a lovely group of women with triple negative breast cancer, I'm doing a medical podcast this week to discuss some questions I have received about breast cancer treatment. People seem to be very unsure about when staging studies are needed and when they should be repeated after treatment and why. I'm going to try to explain this to you today. But first, I want to point two things out. I am a doctor, but not your doctor, so all medical decision-making should be made through your primary team. Second, any discussion about recurrence, percentages, and the like can be stressful and upsetting for some patients. If you are someone who prefers not to hear the bottom line, this may not be the episode for you. I am trying to walk the line between answering a frequent question and not damaging people's hope, and everyone has a different line where that is. This is one where there is very little sugarcoating, so think about what type of patient you are before we proceed. If you're still with me, let's move on. First, let me tell you a bit about breast cancer staging. In the last few years, the staging system for breast cancer has gotten super complicated. Previously, it only included the size of the primary, the number of nodes involved, and whether or not there was distant spread. It now includes not only the size of the tumor in the breast and number of positive nodes, it also includes grade, which is how cells look under the microscope, and hormone receptor status. Hormone receptors are things on the surface of cancer cells that bind to various molecules that float about in our bodies. These circulating hormones bind to the receptors on the tumor cell surface and stimulate the tumor cell to grow. Estrogen, progesterone, and HER2- are three of the most common that we look at. A tumor that is ER and PR positive and HER2 negative is the least aggressive, followed by ER and PR positive and HER2 positive, followed by ER and PR-negative and HER2-positive, followed by triple-negative cancers. There are medications that can block tumor growth by affecting the estrogen and progesterone receptors. Tamoxifen, or a group of drugs called aromatase inhibitors, fall into this category. There are also drugs that can act on the HER2 receptors, one of the first being Herceptin. Triple-negative breast cancers are very challenging because there are no targeted treatments, and only chemotherapy is useful systemically. This is why they are so aggressive. Once chemo is done, there are no medications to use to continue to suppress their growth. Back to staging. For an in situ cancer, or DCIS, which is stage 0, there is by definition no chance of spread elsewhere because it can't spread until it develops the ability to break through the walls of the ducts. So no staging studies looking outside of the breast are indicated at any point in a patient with DCIS or stage 0 cancer. Believe it or not, that is the only easy and definitive answer. For invasive breast cancers, we divide them loosely into early stage and locally advanced cancers. Early stage means smaller size and no involvement of nodes, or a small number of nodes with a small amount of disease found at surgery. When you have an early stage breast cancer, staging like bone scan and CAT scan is not indicated. The risk of spread elsewhere in the body is quite low, and the risk of finding something that is not cancer but delays treatment as we work it up is high. Things like lung nodules that end up being non-cancerous or inconclusive sites in the bones that end up being from arthritis or trauma fall under this category and are seen in a large number of people. We definitively do not want to delay treatment or even worse, withhold curative treatment from finding a few lung nodules or spots in the bones that end up not being cancer at all, right? First and foremost, we don't want to deny curative treatment for something inconclusive. For people with spread to the nodes, either with a large number of nodes positive or very large nodes, we usually do get additional staging at the start because the chance of having disease elsewhere in the body is higher. Spread elsewhere in the body, meaning outside of the breast or local lymph nodes, is called metastatic disease. It is also known as stage 4 disease. We do not want to give aggressive, curative treatment to people with clear evidence of metastatic disease because it is definitively not going to cure them, meaning a lumpectomy or mastectomy and radiation, if you have disease outside of the breast and nodes, does not improve survival and can increase side effects without a proven benefit. In terms of triple negative cancers specifically, they are by definition more aggressive, but if they are stage 1, they still have a low chance of spread elsewhere and likely staging will not be recommended. You're with me so far? Great. If you're confused, head over to my Best Life After Cancer MD Facebook page and join the Survivors Group, where we will talk more about things like this in the month of October. All of my Facebook Lives this month will be breast cancer specific. Currently, the Lives are every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. in the Survivors Group. If you are listening to this past October of 2020, most of the Facebook Lives will be available on my website, Best Life After Cancer under the blog section. Okay, either you are early stage and no scans were recommended or you have locally advanced disease and all of your scans were negative for metastatic disease. This means local and systemic treatment will be considered. Up front, when someone is first diagnosed, we do everything we can to give them the best odds of being cured. This typically involves curative local therapy, meaning either a mastectomy or lumpectomy and radiation and evaluation for systemic therapy. A test of the DNA of the cancer, referred to as Oncotype or Mammoprint, among others, is often used to drive decision-making in ERMPR-positive HER2-negative cancers. This test tells how likely a cancer is to come back with hormonal therapy alone or hormonal therapy and chemotherapy. A high-risk score indicates that chemotherapy will give a better outcome than hormonal therapy alone and chemotherapy will at least be discussed. An intermediate score... An intermediate score requires more discussion with your team and is individualized. Low-risk scores do not need chemotherapy. There is no data that these patients do better with chemotherapy than hormonal therapy alone. For HER2-positive or triple-negative cancers, Oncotype or Mammoprint is not used. Chemotherapy is much more common, and usually in young healthy patients, only those with small cancers don't get chemotherapy. Up front, we do everything we can to make sure the cancer is cured. We don't hold our breast treatments back for later if it recurs. We go all in to make sure it is cured the first go around. After treatment, if a cancer recurs in the breast or nodes, additional local treatment can still result in a cure. Meaning, if you fail in the breast after a lumpectomy and radiation, a mastectomy can cure you. If you fail on the chest wall after a mastectomy without radiation, Additional excision and radiation can cure you. A nodal failure can be addressed by surgery, possibly radiation, or more chemotherapy. Again, let me emphasize, these are generalities, and all treatment needs to be determined by your primary team. The bottom line is, we keep really close track to find anything coming back locally, because it is still something that we can cure. That is why you have frequent mammograms and follow-ups, so they can check the area closely. Now here's the part you may not want to hear. If you like things sugar-coated, I'm giving you a second chance to turn this off. If you don't want a big dose of reality, consider not listening to the rest of this. Now here's the part you may not want to hear. If you like things sugar-coated, I'm giving you a second chance to turn this off. Put another way, I'm about to show you my geeky side. If you are Neo in the movie Matrix, considering which pill to take, take the blue pill if you want to stay in the Matrix. I'm sorry, I know, so geeky, I can't help myself. But if you really just want to understand all of this, then let's proceed. All right, so you took the red pill? I get it. I want to understand even if knowledge is uncomfortable. After breast cancer treatment, if you have a recurrence in the breast or nodes, you can still be cured. So we look carefully for any recurrence there with frequent mammograms, physical exams, ultrasounds if needed, and sometimes breast MRIs. Once the cancer has spread from where it started to elsewhere in the body and is visible on scans, it is treatable but is considered no longer curable. This doesn't mean give up hope. It doesn't mean throw the towel in. It means we now take a different approach to treatment, which is focused on controlling the disease as best we can, treating symptoms, and maximizing quality of life. The very hard truth is that it doesn't matter if you find a lung metastasis when the spot is a half a centimeter or when it is two centimeters. For the vast majority of people, neither can be cured. This is because seeing one spot is the tip of the iceberg. If we see one spot, in 99.9% of people, there are other cells out there, not yet visible, but present. Treating only what we see in most cases does not result in cure. In fact, there is some data that finding things before they are symptomatic could lead to a worse outcome. How can that be? Sounds crazy, right? I'm going to give you an example to help explain this. Imagine a woman who is on hormonal therapy. Initially, it is fully working. Awesome. At some point, it starts to become less effective against her cancer, and the disease starts to grow slowly. Not as quick as it would off of the hormonal therapy, though. The hormonal therapy is still mostly holding it in check, just not fully. If we stop the hormonal therapy then, we will lose the time that it is mostly working, even though not perfectly. What this means is if we go hunting for a recurrence, then we might stop a treatment that is mostly working. We then go on to maybe second-line injected hormonal therapy and give up the months that the hormonal therapy would still have been mostly working. The new therapy eventually stops working, and we go on to chemotherapy. The first chemotherapy eventually stops working, and we move on to the second and third, and then eventually run out of options that will work. And often it is earlier than it would have been if we had let things go until we had symptoms from the cancer up front. The same is true with a triple negative cancer. If you have a few small spots that are barely growing, just getting started, resuming chemo will not cure it. It will not kill them off completely. It might make them stop growing for a bit, but often... We use the second best chemotherapy and when they start to grow again, it's resistant to that second best chemo, and so on. Clearly, we want to know if you have symptoms. This means that things are progressing more rapidly and that the situation is more serious. We ask at every visit about things like shortness of breath, neurologic changes, or bone pain that might indicate a cancer is becoming active again. Your doctor will evaluate the symptoms and determine if a scan is needed. It might seem like they don't scan with problems, but that might be because they feel a certain symptom is not likely to be from cancer. For instance, many patients say their joints hurt, especially when they first get up and get moving. This is very, very common for arthritis. It hurts when you first get moving, but it's better once you get going. Cancer bone pain is often different. In the middle of the bones instead of the joints, better at rest, and then worse as you're more active. So even if they don't explain this to you entirely, it may be that what you tell them is not something they think is significant. But if you tell them something that is worrisome, like symptoms of brain mets that aren't explained by sinus complaints, they will order a test to look at the area of concern. Often, if they find a spot with spread, they will get other tests to see the full extent of things. When patients are symptomatic and there is clear progression, then we know that a change in treatment is needed. If you have a triple negative cancer, we will be more likely to look with less complaints because you are on no medications to suppress the growth. So if you have unexplained weight loss, shortness of breath, bone pain, or other complaints, we are more suspicious and look earlier. But we still don't go hunting because of the same principle that a breast cancer is not curable from the time we find the first spot. Some people have a lot of questions about that. What if we removed the spot in the lung? Would that fix the problem? Unfortunately... In 999 times out of 1,000, there are cells elsewhere in the body that are not big enough that we can see them, but they are already there. So taking out that one spot is like pulling the first dandelion that comes out in the spring. There is a minuscule chance that it's the only one. But 99.9% of the time, if you don't treat the entire field, other dandelions will show up. But imagine that dandelions got resistant to weed killer. If we treated the field when we saw two dandelions... It would make them go away, and it would delay the others. But then, they would be resistant to the weed killer when they started to grow again. We would have to switch to a different weed killer. And imagine there are only so many weed killers that work on that type of dandelion. It's a very similar situation. Okay, now I imagine you may wish you had taken the blue pill. But I want to offer you, anything you think about testing and development of disease elsewhere is a thought. If you don't have metastatic disease right now, then it is just thoughts about what could happen in the future. Those thoughts are optional. You can take this information and use it to live in terror and fear and waste whatever good time you have, whether it is a few years or your entire life. Or you can take this information and think, okay, great, now I understand why it is so important to be aware of what's going on in my body and keeping my doctor in the loop. I understand why it's so important to do everything I can now to reduce my risk of recurrence because there really isn't a great second chance. You can use this information to drive good decision-making. I have two podcasts on reducing risk. One is number 10, which describes how exercise improves survival in breast cancer patients almost as much as chemotherapy does. The other is number 4, talking about limiting alcohol, which is also proven to reduce risk of recurrence in breast patients. I think in some people's minds, they think that good medical care will fix the problem if the cancer comes back. And that means that getting to an ideal weight, exercising, and limiting alcohol are not mandatory. I'm here with some tough love to tell you that, really, you get one good shot at this. So let's do it all, and let's do it right the first time. I can totally understand the fear for people with triple negative breast cancers, those with inflammatory cancers, or locally advanced disease. Fear is our brains trying to protect us from danger. It is a primitive thing from caveman days, when people who were not afraid got eaten by wild animals, separated from the tribe and starved, or lost and died from the elements. Our brain is still that brain. It doesn't know that worry can't fix things like your breast cancer pathology. I've talked about this before, but I think it's important to say again. I believe that constant worry is detrimental to your health. It releases stress hormones that reduce immunity. It takes away good time, makes it so you can't enjoy the time you have. My goal is to have all breast patients aware of what the truth is and how they can be a part of the team to maximize their chances of cure, but not living in fear. If this speaks to you, join the survivors group. There are a lot of women there who have walked the path and are there to support you. Every week, I'm working on finding ways to help you fight better and live better. That sounds good, right? Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.